Buddy, episode 22 of Media Sandwich Reheated with Chris, Kyle, and Dan. I am played by Wanda Maximoff. Uh, I, I am played by Vision. And I am the voluptuous Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she is a beautiful actress. You know, my wife she, is very angry at me for revealing that I have a bit of a crush on Kat Dennings, but that's okay, because I also have a bit of a crush on Paul Bettany, even in the Vision makeup. I like. Yeah. I have a everyone in that show, pretty much. They're <laughs> all they're all great. Who's who's the actor who plays? Um, I feel bad. I can't even remember their names. There's just too many great people. He's he's the 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 other good um, agent who's working with him. Who did the magic oh. trick from oh, Ant-Man? Oh, yeah. Ant-Man guy, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Randall Randall Park playing uh, FBI agent Jimmy Woo. There we go. Everyone has rightfully said, I want to see Jimmy Woo just do a show where he, he's just being him. I'm like, yes, I would absolutely watch that. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got like, stupid, sexy Ned Flanders energy is what I, I feel it is. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's just so straight-laced of a guy that you can't help but be very endeared to him. And yet you expect him to be not a good cop, but he's never really displayed any buffoonery. He's just very, like, trusting. Um, and every time he, he like, defended uh, the, de- what is it, uh, Rambo, Agent Rambo, he defended her from the mean guy or he's yelling at somebody else to you know be careful i'm like oh wait he's competent i forgot i'll tell you and i said this in my last review i'm behind on my reviews that i've been writing for each episode which i'm i i feel bad about but as i said on twitter i'll just i'll just blame it on the fact that i had to drop my kids off in a foreign country Mm. but uh i said this in my last review the weak spot of that show for me is Hayward, the sword director, who I guess just by virtue of the fact that they need somebody to be an unsympathetic villain, he has to hold the unreasonable jerk ball for the show. And and that's something that Marvel has been guilty of since the beginning. I mean, remember in the first Avengers movie when Nick Fury's like, okay, yeah, I got the Avengers, they're going to save the world from Loki... And then this weird, vague world council of (laughs) faceless bureaucrats are like, no, Nick Fury, those heroes can't do that. So much so that we're just going to nuke Manhattan. Yep. And it's like, boy, this is dumb. (laughs) Hayward made a good point when he was like, you people who were gone for the blip are more optimistic than we are because... We had to yeah. deal with a world that kind of fell apart. Yeah, I mean, that we haven't seen that. But if anything, that makes it a little more frightening just to see what it's kind of done to people. Uh, you know, the, the enemy you can't see is scarier type of a thing. I'm still... Now, do we... Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Do we want to hold our whole rundown of WandaVision until after we're done? Because I know we're, we'll definitely want to do a drat on that. Yeah, or might as well. We... Yeah, we we, we we can do a drat on that. Yeah, we can only talk some excitement now while we're while we're here. <laughs> it's a good show. Yeah, it's really really fun. We're currently at this current time of this recording. Uh, episode seven has released. 
and we will withhold spoilers for now. But it, I thought that the ending of episode seven was a pretty good goof, um, which basically I think what is really funny so far has been, um, again, without spoiling necessarily, every single fan theory so far that I've seen about the show has not only been confirmed, but when it's confirmed, the fans aren't mad that they think it's lazy. They just go, oh, I was surprised that it was confirmed. It's like mm-hmm. the character yeah. that thought was the this person is this person and it's and everyone's totally fine with that they're like yeah yeah good 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 and i'm hoping you know that the writers and the producers and everybody are totally fine with that because i know that there are shows that will basically shoot themselves in the foot when they think people have figured it out and i've i've heard of that happening with um was it a uh, westworld that happened with season two where people guessed a big plot twist in season two and the showrunners were kind of pissed that so many people figured out the plot, like the big plot twist they had coming, that they rewrote it from that point on, which I never feel is a good decision. Like once you've come up with your plot, you want to go with it. At the very least, I mean, all these episodes have been filmed. So it's not like, you know, oh no, people have figured out that person X is actually really person X. Um, then they'll like, you know, hard right just to throw everyone off the scent. Like everyone's just like, nah. We can kind of see what this series is doing, truly. I mean, it's fun. It's fascinating that it is almost 100% a show that is built for utility for the ongoing Marvel Cinematic Universe. And at the same time, it's also one of the most fun things that they've done with the Cinematic Universe so far. It's, I mean, in terms of, hey, this is the first MCU television show proper you know not counting the netflix defenders shows and not counting agents of shield which very quickly piked off and did its own thing this is like this is the first thing that we are connecting in the same way we connect those movies together and we are making a big deal out of the fact that this is television so let's do an entire show that's about television in a weird way but also just about these characters I'm, the the weirdest thing to me is that they could have easily led with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which both looks and feels like this is an MCU movie if we did it as a series. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just looks like a straight-up action-adventure show with comic book characters, which, great, it looks like fun. They lead with WandaVision as if to say, oh, now that we're doing television we can do weird things and we can do things that don't necessarily that that don't necessarily fit into the cookie cutter that everybody accuses the marvel movies of being in so we we can be weird we can take strange risks but we can also just goof around with all of the stuff that we've laid the path for for the last you know couple years especially but particularly since Age of Ultron, a lot of Age of Ultron stuff. Yeah. Which is it's funny because that always seemed like the movie that everyone disavowed afterwards. Like, oh, no, the fans didn't think this one was as good. So let's just uh, we'll we'll <laughs> acknowledge that it exists, but we'll kind of sidestep around it. And now that's the most important movie to have watched so that you understand what's going on in this show which is weird and great because I, I'm a defender of age of Ultron. I think it, 
I recently did the re- the big rewatch, and I'm like, Age of Ultron kind of slaps. This is a pretty fun <laughs> movie. Yeah. And like when Thor was describing the events of Thor 2 during Endgame, you're like, I am glad that I watched that movie. So it, it's <laughs> nice that they redeem their weaker oh, yeah. links. Uh, I'm I'm re- I'm actually I restarted the, the MCU again. People are gonna think that we are <laughs> like the biggest Marvel shills, quote unquote, like ever. I'm I'm rewatching a third time now with commentary tracks from the Blank Check podcast. Mm, if uh. if people who haven't heard of it, I mean, if you've heard of us, you've heard of them. You've listened to that before you listen to this. But it's Griffin Newman who played Arthur on The Tick the most recent Amazon version of The Tick, and it's him and David Sims, who's a movie reviewer for The Atlantic, and they've been doing this podcast for years, but their Patreon, they do commentary tracks, and they did all the Marvel movies, and it's really opened my eyes. Oh, right. Yeah, people think Thor The Dark World is, like, the worst Marvel movie. No, are you kidding me? Uh, the Incredible Hulk is a terrible movie. I don't oh, think well, people consider that as a Marvel movie. That's universal, and they kind of disavow any anything that's not exclusively MCU at this point. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, people people also get down on Iron Man too. I I don't think that it's as bad as people make it out to be, but boy, those the first handful of movies get a little rough in spots and Thor, the dark world. I think people get down on it because it's just not what anybody expected a second Thor to be. And Mm -hmm. age of Ultron, people get down on it for feeling a little too much. Like Joss Whedon had too many of the reins (laughs) and that's fine. It does feel like that in spots. Sometimes age of Ultron feels like, Boy, this is just a Buffy episode, isn't it? It just kind of feels like like it's very fun to watch them hang out at a party and goof around lifting the hammer. That's a great scene. And it oh, does that. it does so much heavy lifting to put them yeah. together as a team. I but that scene cuz it's such masterful work in like I actually was like taken aback when I saw the payoff with Vision in that with the point of that, they had that groundwork laid at the beginning of the movie of, oh, this is a fun, jokey scene of all the Avengers, you know, making sense. Like, they're all trying to lift it, and, you know, Hulk won't go, you know, Banner won't go full Hulk. Yeah, he's like, no, no, I'm not going to try, really try. And, and, he, and Captain America, you know, takes it, and he kind of squeaks it, and is like, oh, he's like, oh, no, I'm not really going to try this either. And, you know, oh, only only Thor can hold it, because only he's worthy. And, you know, they even talk about, like, if you put it in an elevator, would it go up? Not worthy. You know, and, and and then at the end, when you have, you know, they have just established Ultron is evil and bad and technology bad. And here's Vision. And it's like, oh, crap, we accidentally made a synthesoid. What do we do? Can we trust him? And it's amazing how in that same scene of basically the audience going, I don't know how you expect. How do you expect us to just go along with this new character that you? Oh, he's holding Thor's hammer. Oh, he's good. <laughs> Yeah, that was an amazing that like as a writer, I took I was like, oh, oh, I have the vapors. This is amazing. (laughs) And that's the strength of the MCU. Uh, You know, you compared it to Westworld in terms of expectations. You know, the MCU, they've got 
established characters. They can fiddle a little bit with their origins. You know, take Ultron. Originally, he was created by Ant-Man, and they changed it to being created by the Hulk and, and Iron Man. But it's he's still Ultron. Whereas with Westworld, these are characters they're pulling out of their butts. And if you don't like, you know, the, the way a particular character acts, they can change them to suit your needs, which is, I think, a detriment because, you know, you're never going to please all the people all the time. So if you're constantly chasing the perfect character, people are going to watch season one and compare it to season three and say, this is not the same character. But with the Avengers, you, you do a full rewatch of all the movies. and You're like, yeah, these are the same people. They've gone through stuff. I can see how they've changed. But, you know, t- Tony Stark doesn't suddenly become an alcoholic in Iron Man 2 and then it goes away later on. Like he's always got certain ticks and everybody has certain ticks that follow them, especially themes of PTSD where Thor keeps losing and losing and then eventually he just like snaps or well, that's why Iron Man three yeah. is secretly one of the best movies of the series. Is oh, it's so good. It's it's yeah. the whole movie is just about how doesn't how does a guy deal with what he went through and man, I love Iron Man three people who think that that's like a bad Marvel movie. I don't understand them, but also I happen to be a Shane like, Black fan so I yeah. really love that the back half of that movie is just like, what if we take away the Iron Man suit and we just have to deal with Tony Stark being Tony Stark and like just running around with like a gun and a hair dryer that he's tricked out to like zap people because he's that guy. And people and hated the Mandarin thing in a bottle without him drinking all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, you could have CG'd bottles of gin everywhere, and it would have been kind of the same descent into I'm garbage, you know, without without my vice or whatever. So they, they found a way around that, which is pretty good. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, the back half of Iron Man 2. The problem with it is them trying to fit Demon in a Bottle into that movie without, like... Iron Man 2, the only real problem with it is that it's trying to be a sequel to Iron Man 1 and also set up the entire MCU and also do two villains in one movie at the same time. Like, it has to be everything to everyone, and that's why it's one of the lesser ones. Yeah. It's still it's still pretty entertaining to me, though. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, what is it? His, Hammer. Justin Hammer. I very much hope everybody is hoping that this military contractor in WandaVision is going to be Reed Richards. I hope it's Justin Hammer. I really do. I was going to say they, they have set up Reed Richards because of whatever Darcy is tracking. She mentioned something about cosmic radiation. Yeah. So I'm guessing that that's that's the way you get the Fantastic Four in. And I think they just announced today that they're talking with writers about Fantastic Four. So I'm guessing Fantastic Four is either going to be one of the first movies once we're back from the horrible abyss that we're in right now in terms of movie production. Or they might try to do a series. I was always hoping that the way you bring the Fantastic Four into the MCU now would be 
a portal opens up and they just kind of fall into the universe we know. Mm-hmm. And then we don't necessarily have to do their origin again for what would be the... It would be the third time since the whole comic book movie Gold Rush, but technically it would be the fourth time because of the Roger Corman movie. Yeah. So pulling pulling uh, Spider-Man. Just skip yeah. over and go straight to, yeah, he's Spider-Man. I think that would be the best way of doing the Fantastic Four, because the origin story for them is the one that works the worst of any Marvel characters now, because it was it was the early to mid-60s, so it was literally just, how did they get powers? Oh, well, they went to space. And in space, there are things that will give you superpowers. I mean, I, I will accept, okay, genetically modified spider bites kid, kid becomes Spider-Man. Fine. No problem. Dude builds suit. Fine. I'm good. Pretty much every character they've given us so far, it works fine. There's a serum, they put it in him, he turns into super dude, awesome. You tell me, these four ordinary people go to space and then just, like, get hit with a radiation cloud and come back without being hurt or anything? Superpowers. They all have different superpowers. Or, I mean, if you watch the Josh Trank version, which is god-awful... They go to a different dimensional plane. There's a planet. One gets hit with goo. Another gets hit with rocks. Another gets hit, you know, and the girl doesn't even go, but somehow gets superpowers. It's really messy. It's a really messy origin that worked fine in the 60s when we didn't know what space was. Like, going to space was just a comic book thing. If you do the origin story now, it either comes off as way too silly, or in Josh Trank's movie, it comes off as a David Cronenberg movie for a few minutes, and you're like, this is interesting, it doesn't belong in a movie about, like, the goofy sitcom family that has superpowers. It's the fantastic... The problem is, it's passive. Like, they go up into space, nobody throws the cosmic storm at them. It's just random. And every other character in the Marvel Universe is not random. It's it's active. Iron Man was captured. He had to build the suit. Hulk was doing a gamma test. It's, you know, it's his own hubris. Ant-Man needed the suit to do something. It's all active. But just going up into space and coin flip, you have powers. It doesn't give them much agency. And then they run into the problem with Doctor Doom, where you have to make him like this petulant, whiny, jealous guy. Like, well, I wanted to do it. Like, no, make it that someone sent the cosmic rays and it was like an attack or or a scan or, you know, something where it's not random. And then, you know, you, you get the story moving forward better. Yeah. And, and that's also from a from a structural like plot structure point of view that's always been the problem with the fantastic four in the three different versions we've had including the roger corman version the old 1994 roger corman version is still the best fantastic four movie we've gotten and i stick by that statement michael chiklis transcends his movie though (laughs) i mean honestly you go back and rewatch those two movies and they're really painful to watch but 
they have some fun things in them. Chris Evans is doing the best that he possibly can. Yeah. And I, he's showing off his talent for playing a, a you know, petulant man baby. But the problem with each of those movies, and this is the reason why I don't want to see the origin the same way I never want to see Spider-Man's origin again, because I've seen it already. You can do the same beats over and over again, but ultimately the Fantastic Four origin, that movie is boring now because they get their powers. That's the opening 20, maybe 30 minutes of the movie. The whole middle of the movie is just, we have powers now. Isn't this cool slash horrifying? Cause Josh Trank is weird. <laughs> and then, the last 30 minutes or even the last 15 minutes. Cause Josh Trank's movie got cut to ribbons. That mo- that movie pisses me off so much because it's like, we're going to spend over an hour on what's just the first act of the movie. And then we're going to skip the second act entirely and cut it out of the movie, including an entire action sequence that's in the trailer, but is not in the movie. And then we're going to go directly to the last act where we fight Dr. Doom. That's always the structure of these movies. It Every Fantastic Four movie is, we have powers. Isn't this weird and cool and fun? Hey, we need to learn how to live with each other and with these powers. And that part turns into a bad sitcom and it goes on for 45 minutes. That The Tim Story movies, the ones with Jessica Alba and Michael Chiklis, those the middle 45 minutes of both of those movies is just montages of them doing goofy things. And then the last conflict is always, okay, here's Dr. Doom. They fight him individually until they realize they have to fight him together at the same time. And that's the end until that confrontation, every action beat of these action movies is something they did like, there's the big action beat on the bridge in the, the first Tim Story one, and it's just, oh, no, this truck is, you know, going to fall off the bridge. Oh, no, uh, this part of the bridge is about to break off. Oh, no, Johnny accidentally lit this whole thing on fire. It's all <laughs> things that they do. They That's cause virtual. all the problems. So it, th- they can't do the origin again. If they do the origin again, they have to introduce Galactus or Silver Surfer immediately because that's the where the real money is for Marvel. They Now that they got all these characters back, they have Galactus and Silver Surfer back, and that's where the big bucks are. That really, where the, Doom. Galactus is a big... He's got to work in at some point into Phase 4 or 5. Because you just don't, you don't leave Galactus sitting on the table. But oh, no. yeah. they, they do, though, have the reins to Doctor Doom, which they, I'm pretty sure that they're aware. People are are just, they're frothing for, for a good, good Doom. And you talk to any comic fans, and you ask them about Doctor Doom, and they'll be like, oh, oh my gosh, Doom is like one of the greatest characters in the MCU. And nobody knows how to write him for film. Or at least so far they have it because everyone assumes that he's just evil man with metal. It's like, no, 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 he's not. He's he's a very complicated character in the comics after <clears throat> decades of, of good work being done with him and interesting situations. And, and that he's not just, 
you know, mustache twirling, um, you know, villain of the week material. He's he's a character who's less of a villain and more of a force. And that's yeah. what makes Doctor Doom so fascinating. And is like, yes, he's intrinsically tied to the Fantastic Four just because Richards has has basically goofed on him a few times. But Doom is still no one to he's no one's fool. He's not yeah. the he's he's not an idiot. And so if they can get past that and they can make him not petty and and all that, they can actually make him imposing and interesting. I mean, you can have another Loki is what I think they they're realizing they need to do because people love Loki enough that they put him in places that he probably didn't even need to be. <laughs> and they're still trying to find ways to put Loki in places where it's like Loki's done, man, but we still don't want that to be true because we enjoy Loki too much. And I think they're realizing, man, we need to find another character who could do that. And Dr. Doom is totally one of those. I mean, obviously Magneto is going to be another one. I think that if they figure out how to handle the X-Men coming into the MCU, that'll be key because there's so many good characters in the, in the larger. Um, that That's true. And that, that's why I advocate for portal opens up fantastic Four fall through it because that's the way you bridge together. Oh yeah. F- where we come from, there are people called mutants and then we've got, <laughs> then we're cooking. We've got a gumbo, you know, yeah. we've, we've got, we've got a way to bring all of that, all of that uh, flotsam from the Fox merger into mm. the MCU, and there's a natural way of doing it. Well, Reed developed this portal, and we decided to explore it, and we fell through the portal, and now we're going to try to bridge the two universes together. And that's how that's how you clean up the... That's how you clean up a lot of stuff, including, like, Daredevil, all of that's that. Where babies come from. <laughs> Say that again? That's where babies come from. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're right about Doom being Loki, but I think it goes beyond, like, a character that everybody likes and wants to see. I think they need another character who is imposing and can transcend their movie. Like, none of this, oh, this is the bad guy in this movie, and at the end of the movie, they're done. You need to move uh, a bad guy who shows up in several movies yeah, start him out as super evil that he doesn't get defeated. Maybe he gets postponed, but he does not get, you know, hardened into rock and put on a shipping container. No, he he sticks around and then Galactus shows up and they're like, you know who we need help from? Doom. And then you get that wonderful scene where they're like, hey, we need you to help us. And he's like, I'm not going to help you. And then you got a fight scene like, but seriously, you need to help us. He's like, all right, fine. And then you get to have the lovely interaction where everybody hates him, but they have to work with him. I mean, they try that in rise of the silver surfer, but the problem with that is that the movie was bad. <laughs> well, the, the movie, I mean, that movie is, th- that might be one of the worst comic book adaptations of all time. I, that it's really funny. I'm a big proponent of the fantastic four. I like them. I want, I want the property to, live on and succeed in the MCU now that Marvel has the, but every version of it makes me so angry. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Galactus is obviously going to be your next big, like we're building towards this. Your, your next Thanos is going to be Galactus. They could do, I mean, WandaVision really points at maybe we could do like a secret invasion type thing. 
because they're kind of yeah. wrapping in Captain Marvel and that stuff and that and uh, Sword instead of Shield and Sword is kind of you know the the human you know uh, proponent against the secret invasion so that might work out but you do Galactus as the next big big bad that the entire phase is leading to great that works out but Dan is totally right what we've been missing up until now is a character that is that can be the antagonist for several movies with several mm-hmm. different uh heroes the problem with all of Iron Man's villains is they're all basically just bad Iron Man. The problem with yeah. all of Captain America's villains is they're... For, well, it used to be they were all Nazis. Now it's a case <laughs> of they're all secret Nazis working inside the U.S. government. That that yeah. that that ship has sailed. We can't do that again. Right. So it, what, is that, they what does that leave us? His, his ski mask. Well, the yeah the other nice thing like with Fantastic Four and in, in in general you've got like I, like I'm saying you need more forces of nature like Doom like Namor has oh they gotta have Namor coming soon I oh, think people yeah because he's another excellent character like Doom who is not quite good not quite evil but so much fun to mix into things because he's he's that that you know extra element of unknown you never know what direction he's going to take and he could be helpful he could be harmful and that's really useful silver surfer is definitely going to be another of those force of natures that show up i think you know at this point they can you know fold in um ghost rider which adds in a lot of stuff with like mefesto which it feels like we're still moving towards mefesto in general which is another you know good choice like bring in more of this crazy stuff like make this I mean, they've already been making the world so much bigger. And that's one reason I love WandaVision so much is that there's they're basically they looked around all the movies and properties and like, let's pick you from these movies, you from these movies, you from this hint of a movie and like just mash together and you're the cast. And what's amazing is that everyone is just like, yes, this works you you took almost nobody characters who were nobody in their own movies and now we love them and we want to see them more and that's that's a good sign i think for for where marvel's at um that they are able to just kind of these side characters are you know can be quasi headliners which is nice and it makes me yeah makes me excited it gives them options to for for sure for what directions movies can take and like I'm really like one thing I'm curious about because I don't think they've mentioned is like for Black Panther two, what do you do now? Because clearly they can't do whatever they originally planned. And there's well, like initially what they were going to do because they like yeah I mean they can't do another obviously they can't do Chadwick Boseman. They were going to pivot it to be about his sister taking on the mantle, and even that's got a kink in the cog because the actress Letitia Wright, uh, maybe about uh, maybe back during the summer, I can't remember when it was, but she made a big a big whoopsie doodle on social media and came out as anti-vaccination, and then doubled down on it, and then. I think finally somebody pointed out, hey, Disney's not going to like this. You should probably shut up or apologize. And 
I think she gave an apology and then promptly disappeared. So who yeah. knows now what they're going to do? I, yeah. My, Cause I was, I was talking to my dad about this. He's like, they would just recast. I'm like, no, 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 no. They cannot recast this. Like there, no one would accept them recasting black Panther because Chadwick Boseman is, was too, that was his role. And Disney actually did a pretty solid job of like respecting the actor. And the fact is that he didn't just die. He died in a heartbreaking way, but that was also incredibly uplifting. And so it's like, you can't just, you can't just cast over him, but comic book movies. And my thought is, I think probably, and I hope that someone else thinks the same way as me who has power to make these decisions. People would be so pleased if they got Michael B. Jordan back as Killmonger and just somehow had him take up the mantle. And I feel like that's like the probably the best option of like, what if Killmonger isn't just dead? And he we liked him, right? Yes, we did. Good, good, good. We would be happy with this, wouldn't we? I think so. I thought they said they were bringing him back. I don't know, like as Black Panther, but. Uh, I, have, I, I hadn't I heard anything fears. about that. I think if you're going to bring, if Mephisto shows up at the end of WandaVision and says, you can bring Vision back for real, but there will be consequences. I think she's going to do it and he's going to say, great, mulligans for everybody. And Vision comes back, but Killmonger comes back too. And, you know, that means Black Panther dies. Like they can do a lot with a Mephisto monkey paw wish. And, mm-hmm. you know, mix up the mix up the table and because they can't just start Black Panther 2 with a funeral. I know that's the that's plan A, but it's that's a bit bad. cheap. So, you know, oh, he died on the way back to his home planet. You can't do that. So if it's more of a cruel twist of the knife, like. Oh, because Wanda got vision back, Black Panther died and Killmonger came back people would hate Killmonger so much and he would feel so guilty. He might try to redeem himself just to get out of that guilt, which would give him a reason to be a good guy. And he, he was an interesting, he was a complicated character in black Panther that a lot of people liked, even though he still fit the mold of you're just the hero, but bad in like, you're, you're the same, same powers that you have the same costume, but yours is instead of purple, it's like orange, but it was fun. we were kind of okay with it because Michael Jordan's great. We, we really love him, and I mean, he ain't gonna need to be doing any Human Torch stuff. So, like, I would <laughs> oh love- yeah, that's right. I always forget that he was the Human Torch. Yep. <laughs> oh man, that movie. <sighs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I I would I would love to see Michael B. Jordan back uh in the mcu in any capacity i trust them to pull something off but at the same time man i don't know how you bring him back after what an exit he has that final scene of his where he says just you know bury bury me by throwing me in the ocean you know and then he and then he gives the explanation as to why i i can't even repeat the whole thing because one, I'm too white to repeat that, and also two, it just makes me sad. <laughs> I, what, what if 
he he is buried at, at sea. And then Namor somehow revived him because maybe Atlantic Atlantean technology is far superior even to Wakandian. Oh no, I mean there are a million, and that's actually not a terrible that's not a terrible way of going about it. That's pretty smart, buddy. But uh, I logistically speaking, they can do it, no problem. They'll come up with something. I just feel yeah. like on an emotional level, bringing him back after that death scene is that's hard to pull off. That's really hard to to get fans behind something that undoes such a big big moment as his death in that movie. That's why I it's got to be against his will. He's got to come back and immediately feel guilty about it. It could be, yeah. I think I like your idea with Mephisto. I think that's a good choice. I mean, they're definitely there. Well, there's more to be seen. There's two episodes left of WandaVision, and they've opened the door for a lot of funny business so far. Um, you've got the next Doctor Strange movie, which is obviously like it's a multiverse movie. It's like okay, so that's how that's happening. And then, and of course, the third Spider-Man movie is like we're doing multiverse too. It's and so our movie it's so funny. I got to tell you about my discovery, my scientific discovery before we run out of time, because this is either going to kill me or make me rich or possibly I'll be killed, but I'll be rich. Well, that, that's not a great start, but keep going. OK, so I've been slowly replacing all the light switches in my house with Wi-Fi light switches because I like the idea of. You know, not having to walk all around the house flipping all the light switches off when the kids inevitably just flip them on and then leave. And yep. so I there there are several light switches in my house that are three way, which oddly means there's only two of them. But hear me out. You got one light bulb and it's controlled by two different light switches, like one's at the mm-hmm. bottom of the stairs and one's at the top of the stairs. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter whether one is up and the other's down and one's down and the other's up. Both of them work whenever they need to. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is besides your ground wire and your neutral wire, you got three other wires. Two of them form a loop between the two switches. And the third one is what supplies the switch power. So really all you have to do to figure out which is which is you shut the power off to the house and you connect a battery to two of the three wires on one end. And then you connect a light and you know, I'm not DIYing it. There's a tool that does this, but but in, in essence, you're taking a battery to one end and then you're touching the two together on the other and seeing if the light turns on, because if it does, you know, you found the loop. And that means the one wire that's not doing anything, that's the one that supplies power. And that's how you know how to hook it up. So with every other light switch in the house, I've been able to do that. You hook up the tool, you know, two clamps, and you go to the other light switch and you touch the battery and nothing happens. You're like, all right, that's not the one. So then you switch to the other, you touch it, nothing happens, switch the lights. And then the light turns on, you're like, found you. And then you hook up the light switch, you drill it into the wall and you're done. Today, and most of yesterday, I kept finding that the light switch that I installed, if I turned one on, the other one would turn on. 
which is supposed to happen. But if I turned one off, the other one stopped working entirely, which means it's wired wrong. Like the the loop is not being connected. One of the wires is the loop and one of the wires is the power. So when you switch it off, the light switch no longer has power. That just means that I've got the wrong wires, but there's only three wires, which means at most there's nine different combinations. And I scientifically checked every single one. <laughs> and there's there's three different loops I was able to create with the three different wires, which means every single wire in there is a loop. Ergo, none of them are supplied with power, and yet the light switches still work. So somehow the wall is using eldritch, you know, spells to make those light switches work. I do not understand it. I gave up. I I mm. hooked it up to the best that I could to where the light switch that we use most often is the one that works. And the, the other end, you know, if the, if the one light switch is in the wrong position, the other one just doesn't work. But who cares? Because it's... It's like first world problems. I completely understand, but maybe it's underworld problems because this light switch is getting power from nowhere. Uh, that's a really weird problem to have, man. It's very, where is it getting power from? I don't understand it. I'm not an electrician, but <laughs> clearly, as much as I understand what's going on. I think that when they wired that particular part of the house, they took uh, a wire that is supposed to supply current and they connected it from one light switch to another light switch incorrectly. Hmm. And so somehow power is bleeding from one to another and that that's where it all falls apart and I have to drink a cup of hot cocoa. But, you know, reality, yeah, it's wired wrong. I can't fix it without hiring a professional. It's not a big deal. I'm probably just going to leave it. Fun reality, my house is haunted. This is the difference between you and a, and a Clark Griswold is Clark Griswold would, like, take a sledgehammer to every wall of his house trying to figure it out. And you reach a point where you say, you know what? As long as it works, I think I'm fine. <laughs> so hats off to you dan you are better you are a better homeowner than a clark griswold because mm -hmm. he'll just pick at it until there's no house left yeah well i according to my kids who are angry that i kept shutting off the internet and power i was getting there but you know i had to oh discuss. yeah they they did not like it liam was like i could be watching youtube but <laughs> I, I was discussing with Bree the other day about National Lampoon's vacation, uh, the Christmas one, and how it its central ending problem has not aged well. Because you've got this guy with a gigantic house who wants to put in a swimming pool, and instead he gets a jam of the month present. And Bree and I looked at each other and said, well, he got something. That's nice. <laughs> we, we've been so beaten down. 
Ugh, this last year, my usual Christmas bonus was not, and it was instead like a $30 Amazon gift card, which, as I think I've explained before, got eaten by Amazon's incompetence. And so my my bonus this year was the the gift of remembering not to rely on technology anymore. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think I, I might have gotten a $5 gift card to Starbucks or something like that. Uh, I've got a coworker who every single thing that my company gives us gets a snarky Facebook post. Like, it, it always turns into like, hmm, yeah, well, you know, I could have just used the $20 that you spent to, get, to give this to me. Just saying, you know. It's like, yeah, but, you know, I mean... Look, they gave you. They gave us. Uh, actually, no, what what we got was a weird uh, assortment of little gifts, including a tree to plant. Mm. It's like one of those, like you know, uh, it comes in a little biodegradable egg carton type material, and you you can plant a seed and give it the plant food and take it somewhere and plant it, and it's supposed to turn into a tree someday. Yeah. And that's cute. It's a fun, like, you know, hey, you know, let's make the world a better place kind of thing. But to get that in the mail, because it's all in the mail now, to get that in the mail and immediately say, hmm, you know, I could have just used the money. Like, yeah, you could have. We all could have. We I work for a nonprofit, though, so there's no money. If there if there was money, I mean, look, it didn't cost twenty dollars for them to give you a, a, a plant your own tree kit. It cost them a couple of bucks, and they spent that couple of bucks to try to make you smile for a minute. It's fine. Don't blow a bowel. And <laughs> but the Clark Griswold one, you got to remember, it's nineteen eighty six. The idea of not getting a several thousand dollar bonus was, I mean, beyond the pale. Like, it just didn't happen at the time, especially for a guy who... This is the weirdest thing about Clark Griswold, is what he does for a living. Nobody remembers what he does for a living. He designs food additives. <laughs> like it's yeah. the Like, he is a chemical engineer or something like that. Well, they I'm make not it saying sense. for the time it would have been an insult, although I think they probably would have sent him a little bit of coke, being that it's the 80s. But, I mean, <laughs> that's a good if, point. My, if my company said, hey, we gave you a year's subscription to Jam of the Month Club, I'd be pleased. And not, not that, like, oh, man, I've always wanted this, and uh, that's really going to save me financially, but just a, huh, I bet that's going to be delicious. I'm excited every month to see what new jam comes. Like there would be pleasure gotten from it. And yet with him, he loses his mind. Well, the, the punchline, the punchline of the jelly of the month club is that's the gift that keeps given all year round Clark. And, but I mean, it, it is right. It actually is. Yeah. But <laughs> circling back to the Marvel movies, you think of it with uh, vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming, Clark Griswold is, loses his mind because he put down, like, a 
seven i can't remember how many thousands of dollars it's like seven or ten thousand dollar deposit he put down on the swimming pool sounds right yeah and like seven grand that's in reagan dollars by the way (laughs) that's insane that's like seventy thousand dollars now and he put that down as a deposit just thinking he would get it for a christmas bonus and it's like, it's that moment at the beginning of Spider-Man Homecoming of like, I bought trucks for this job. And it's like, you shouldn't have overextended yourself. And he punches the guy. But it's like, no, Vulture, you're in the wrong here. Why did you buy a fleet of trucks for this job? Like, that that's insane. That's too much. You You did <laughs> overextend yourself. Yeah, well, look at the Vulture's age. He's, you know, he's clearly a boomer. He's like, I will just spend until I'm rich. And and I say that because later in the movie, you see him. He is rich. He's rich. He's in a mansion in a very nice neighborhood. Maybe not a mansion, but very. He's driving a Jaguar. Yeah, he drives this very expensive car. He's in a very expensive home. And yet he still comes across as this. I live paycheck to paycheck. This business cannot fail. And it, I don't know. I, he deserved to be punched by Spider-Man, is all I'm saying. Yeah. He was a good guy in the end. I, I was okay with him in the end. Oh, I he's a great that. villain. And he's still in play, which is interesting. Yeah. I like that. The more, uh, I love that. The more they can keep villains in play, the better. Because if you keep having the villain of the month situation, you're going to run out of villains. Yeah, although what he's doing talking to Venom in a post credit scene of Venom is very interesting. We'll see. Is Did that happen? I, I totally avoided Venom. You know, it's did, a good movie to watch if, like, everyone is out and you're eating popcorn. Remember when that used to happen, when people would leave? But No, no, I don't. No, you don't? It's been too long. No, yeah, at the end, uh, I, actually, I don't know if... Michael Keaton talks to Tom Hardy or if he talks to somebody else, but he shows up. I thought that the having never seen it, I thought that the the big ending thing of that was Woody Harrelson showing up as as Carnage. There was that, too. I think it had two two post credit scenes. Yeah, that sounds about right. What what a weird world we're living in where we're going to get a Venom 2 with Carnage in it. I mean, I'd have more faith in it if it was under the under the mouse ears, you know, instead of the Sony. We don't know how to make PS5s. So, we'll we'll see how that works. Well, yeah. in in the realm of uh massive crossovers under a giant corporation that makes decisions that are questionable. There Here was it final- comes. <laughs> <laughs> there was finally a Nintendo Direct after a long, long time of not having one. And it was 50 minutes of a whole lot of stuff that some people were happy with and some people were less happy with. And I yeah. was there. <laughs> and I was there, too. <laughs> it was... Uh, I, it was interesting to watch this direct because it's always exciting to have a new Nintendo direct, uh, especially because the last one was, I think the last true Nintendo direct was over a year ago or more. I forget. So everyone's been, been desperate for a true Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo direct. Um, one that has just a crap ton of stuff to show reveals and secrets and, 
in details. And we've wanted that because we've gotten specific ones for franchises. Like we've got the Mario 35th anniversary one, which showed off a handful of stuff that's cool for Mario fans um, and people who just want to rebuy all the old Mario stuff again. Unfortunately, I mean, that's the truth of it. Um, so everyone, of course, was expecting they're still expecting there's going to be a Zelda 35th anniversary. And I think this direct pretty much deconfirmed that. Um, Cause this one, like the only Zelda stuff in this one, they didn't even mention the fact that Zelda's hit the 35th anniversary, but they're like, okay, um, age of calamity, um, Hyrule Warriors age of calamity is getting DLC, not a shocker. Everyone knew that was going to happen because it's a Koei Tecmo warriors game. Of course, they're going to melt the hell out of that. Uh, and it was the most disappointing moment where they're like, so here's something important. Take a look, snap. And it's like, ah, here's Ayanuma. And he's like, hello, everyone. I'm sure you want me to tell you about Breath of the Wild 2. I have nothing to report right now. Anyway, how about Skyward Sword HD? And it's just like someone did. The, the, my favorite meme of this was, um, remember the episode of The Simpsons where they go and see um, Edison's house the tour guide's like, now behind this door is where the actual brain of Edison is. Now, normally, tours aren't allowed back here. And today will be no exception. And the, he closes the door again, and walk, they all walk on. Yeah. Uh, that was <laughs> what they did. Like, now, most fans don't get to hear about Breath of the Wild 2. And today is no different. And uh, it's a bummer because, like, I, I'm excited for Breath of the Wild 2 because I'm interested in what they're going to do with it. It looks like just the teaser trailer got me excited, but they have totally made shit up for Zelda trailers before. They did it for the first Breath of the Wild trailer where it was kind of just like, eh, let's throw an idea and see how it sticks. And then they completely didn't really stick with it, but they, you know, it worked, whatever. Um, but oh, I hate Skyward Sword. I just truly hate Skyward Sword. It, I just hated Skyward Sword. And the funny thing was, they're like, I'm like, okay, what can you give me new? Because I, yeah, I'll double dip on games. I bought Pikmin 3 Deluxe because it had extra mode to it. It's like, ooh, here's a little bit extra stuff uh, that's like story mode-ish stuff. Okay. And I enjoyed playing that again. And like, ooh, how about Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury? I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll double dip on that. I'm playing it again now. Love it because that's a really darn good game. And I'm like, yeah, Bowser's Fury sounds like enough of an extra content addition. I'm like, okay, Skyward Sword HD, what is it? We give you the option to not use the motion controls, and instead we made a new control scheme that doesn't look very fun or useful. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it's weird because I hate Skyward Sword, but not for the reason everyone else hates Skyward Sword. Because everyone else is like, oh, yeah, the most controls are bad. And I'm like, actually, the most controls were actually pretty good in Skyward Sword. The only reason they didn't work is because I didn't trust that they would work. And that was actually <laughs> the only deaths I had was because I actually didn't trust that the most controls would work. But they did, if that makes sense. Like, I forgot that I had a shield attack, and I never used it. And then I got into a boss fight where you were required to use it, and I didn't use it because I didn't trust the, the nunchuck would work. But it actually did. So... They're like, yeah, we still have the motion controls, but I'm like, oh, no, because the Joy-Cons are garbage. They're like actual garbage pressed into colorful little pill shapes that you hold in your stupid monster hands because these were made for teeny little Japanese children's hands. But also nobody's hands fit the Joy-Cons properly when you're just holding a Joy-Con. And I hate them. 
They're small, they're too small and uncomfortable, and they're super imprecise, and they're garbage. They're total garbage. Fight me, bro. They're garbage. <laughs> and they're like, that's right, you can use them for motion controls again. I'm like, no. I, I've, already, I've already definitively seen in the multiple games that had Wii Remote motion controls, those being Pikmin 3, Mario Galaxy, and they're like, and now you play using your, your Joy-Cons. And I'm like, these are garbage, if I haven't emphasized that enough. That, yeah, like, I mean, the, track well. the demand for pro controllers for the Switch alone is kind of proof positive that the Joy-Cons, while a nifty idea, don't work as well in practice as just a simple controller would have. I mean, I, I I love the versatility of the Switch. I love the versatility of the Joy-Cons, being able to combine them into one controller, use them as two separate controllers. It's great if you have a family and people are, you know, j- jostling back and forth trying to figure out who's going to play what. But mm-hmm. f- for for motion controls on a on a Zelda game, that's a poor choice. It's It's just a really weird idea to to try to use them in that fashion i i it flabbergasts me he's flabbergasted look what you've done nintendo you flabbergasted my good friend mostly what i don't like is that they're like yeah skyward sword hd get it and it's like what are you adding anything are there are there extra modes is there a new addition and and i've seen people talk about like well, this basically confirms that, Twi- that Twilight Princess HD and Wind Waker HD are going to finally make a spectacular return on the Switch now that they're, they came out on the Wii U. I'm like, no, you guys. And I keep having to point this out, and, I, and people just – I don't know if they're not paying attention or just not thinking or they don't remember because they skipped the Wii U. But Skyward, or, um, Skyward Sword HD sounds like they just were able to, to make it for the Switch, and all they had to really deal with was updating the motion controls to the Joy-Cons or adding the button control scheme for – it doesn't look like it's going to work very well, but whatever. Um, that was all they have to do for that. They don't have to add or subtract anything. Wind Waker on the GameCube, when it went to the Wii U, they had to remove the tingle tuner element, which was a not insubstantial element to the game that was all about a plug-in using the, the GBA to the GameCube. Mm-hmm. So because even though even though for some reason you're like, wait, so you have a you have a, a Wii U gamepad, you remove the feature that would require a second screen, and you have a second screen guaranteed, they remove that feature. And they replaced it with the Tingle Bottles, which were, hey, you can pick up bottles from Miiverse with messages. And you can write messages to other people through Miiverse. Isn't that fun? And it was. But they had to add a new functionality entirely for that. So they removed a functionality to add a new one. So if they were to make Wind Waker HD harder for Switch, they would have to make a third version of Wind Waker which I don't think they're going to want to do at this point. And the same applies for Twilight Princess, where Twilight Princess on the GameCube was built and is great. And then they built it for the Wii, which is also great. And their tra- the change there was, hey, motion controls. Also, the whole map is mirrored, which is weird. But it's like, okay, basically they're the same game, but mirrored. One with motion controls, one with that. But they're, that's a good solid game. The Wii U version... Um, changed some stuff up to add a bunch of the Miiverse stamps 
which was kind of the hot thing for a while where they're like, let's find a way to increase, you know, implement Miiverse stuff. How about this game? You unlock stamps for doing stuff that you can share. You can use it to make messages on Miiverse. So they did that um, for Twilight Princess HD, where you can collect the entire Hylian alphabet and like through finding them in treasure chests throughout certain places. So treasure chest placement was, was messed with. And that was kind of the big change. So if they do Twilight Princess HD, they have to remove those again. And so it's like, it's not just a simple copy paste job. They have to do actual programming and it's just not happening now. Like, it's like clear, like, no, they're, they're ignoring, they're ignoring those Wii U Zelda ports. Those are, those are done. Like we're getting, we've got, I mean, the Switch has already had huge Zelda representation on it. I mean, it's like the, the Link's Awakening remake was pretty good. I don't like that it improved a lot of things and ruined other things. So there are two not perfect versions of the same game out there, and you have to choose <laughs> which one you would rather enjoy. Which I frustrated with it. You can't just have like, no, this is a definitive one. Like I like having a game that's definitive, but now it's like, well, do you like this or that? Like, uh, I like this from that other one, but I like this from this one. Like, well, they're neither are perfect. Uh, obviously, Breath of the Wild is it's pretty good. You've got Hyrule Warriors one and two, which are good weird Zelda things. You even have Zelda one and two and um, Link's Awakening or uh, Link to the Past on the Virtual Consoles, so you have all, all that. The only things that, of course, were missing are pretty much all the other Zelda games, which everyone expected them to announce some sort of 3D Zelda All Stars like they did with Mario and for the anniversary. Yeah, like they should, they really should, and maybe they still will. Maybe that's why we didn't hear anything about Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. Maybe they'll be like, hey, we're doing the 3D Zelda All-Star thing. Here's Ocarina Majora's Mask um, and Wind Waker and and Twilight Princess. Or people have also speculated, hey, maybe we're going to get a Wind Waker Phantom Hourglass Spirit Tracks trilogy thing put together, which I would be super disappointed in because I'm like, nope. I don't want to. I don't want to mix one of the games I have a lot of close personal connection to with my two least favorite Zelda games by a wide mile. Like, nope, that doesn't sound fun. Uh, don't like it. I'm, I'm a petulant little fan. I really am because the Zelda series used to be my favorite series for from Nintendo for the longest time, um, and then it just wasn't. Like they had so many misses in a row for me that I was so disappointed, and I'm still yeah. disappointed. Like. The weird thing is that I'm I'm a Zelda fan who is really, really unhappy that Breath of the Wild did so well and that it's clear that that's what Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be because it's a good game that doesn't give me anything that I like from a Zelda game, and that sucks. And people don't really get that where they're like, wait, but is it a good game? And I'm like, no, 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 Breath of the Wild is a good game, and I've played through it all the way twice now, both on the Wii U and the Switch. And playing it a second time, I appreciated it more and enjoyed it more. And I actually really thought the DLC was really good. But it didn't give me anything I wanted from a Zelda game, which sucks. Because I still like my Zelda games, and I'm old school. I like my I like my story, I like my hand-holding, and then give me, you know, railroad me into a dungeon with, with obvious puzzling. Let me do that. Let me feel smart by basically, all right, multiple choice. Ben Franklin was A, a founding father, B, a clown, C, <laughs> I was like, okay, stop this. Just 
I want to feel smart in this multiple choice test. I, I get what you're saying because I felt the same way about uh, this. I mean, this sounds very plebeian by comparison, but I'm a big fan of the Hitman franchise. And Hitman Absolution was the weird. Uh, I don't like the phrase redheaded stepchild because I am one. <laughs> but it was you're the weird redheaded. Child. <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> But it was Hitman Absolution was the very, very strange outlier of that series because everybody knows the Hitman franchise. It's a series of stealth stealth puzzle games with the added bonus feature of, hey, if you screw up, you can restart the mission or you can just run around trying to shoot everybody and see if you can make it to the exit without getting horribly shredded which is very hard to do because you can't survive all-out assault in that game, hence the reason why it's a stealth game. You know, kind of the same way a Metal Gear Solid game is a game where you can try to make it just a straight-up assault game. That's not the way you play it. That's You're, you're doing it wrong, but you can <laughs> do it if, 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 you, if you amuse yourself with it. Hitman Absolution is the one weirdo chapter of that series that was like, um, you can play it like a normal Hitman game, and that's fine, but it's very linear, and people hated that. And also, if you want to make this just like a, a cover shooter, you can do that too. And people really hated that because, look, it was 2012, I want to say... Every every game that came out in 2012 was a cover shooter of some kind. I'm pretty sure there was a Mario cover shooter at at some point then. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Hitman. Well, had, actually, and you had you had Mario and Rabbids King of Battle. Oh, there yep. you go. Yeah. Well, that's more like an XCOM though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean you're right. But Hit, Hitman was Absolution no was a Hitman Absolution was that game that had just a little bit of a different tone. It didn't take itself as seriously as the rest of the franchise. It had kind of like a, it's okay for this to be stupid vibe to it. And I liked that. I enjoyed it. But very much the way, like, Chris, the way you feel about Breath of the Wild is, I think this is a good game. I don't think that it makes for a good Zelda game in terms of fitting the profile of what a Zelda game is, Hitman Absolution, I feel that way about it, where I'm like, this is a very fun, stupid, fun game. <laughs> it, 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 it is a terrible Hitman puzzle stealth game because it's, it's way too linear. It's, it is a railroader of a game. And, and the combat, the frontal assault, you know, cover shooter aspect of it is undercooked, and yet it feels it feels like the game wants you to take that route about half the time. It's ridiculous. They course corrected after Absolution. The next couple of games have been the critically acclaimed trilogy we have now of Hitman 2016, two and three, which just came out. And those are those are amazing because they're just gigantic open world maps with like three or four hundred NPCs per map. 
There's one that's just an entire town. There's one that's a giant mansion. There are a lot of giant mansions, of course. Mm-hmm. But like, if you if you visit some of these maps, you can just walk around for hours in this game, just marveling at how sophisticated each NPC's individual path is throughout the game. It's it's such a game changer. And meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, the the series will always suffer from what's popular right now. And I mean, even Zelda is susceptible to that because Breath of the Wild is very much again, I haven't played it yet, so I'm probably talking out of school, but it's very much just like, what if we made Zelda more like Skyrim? Am I am I am I right there? So what Zelda what Breath of the Wild does is it's like what do kids like these days? They like physics based puzzles. They like open worlds that have very little linear story progression. Uh, they like crafting. God, they like crafting. Let's give them a bevy of weapon and armor choices, and none of them are clearly, you know, the right choice, if that makes sense. Like, you have options. Like, Breath of the Wild is a game about giving you options, but I've never been the fan of those kind of, like, it's not for me. Like, they're not, that's not a bad thing. I don't hate games that give options. Those are good. Options are good for some players because that's what some people like. Basically, people who like to replay games. I'm bad where, like, I have my play style already decided whenever I go into any game. I want it to be easy enough to get through. So I'm usually the, you know, give me a lot of health and a lot of strength. That's all I want. I want the I want the the killing numbers to go up and my kill being killed numbers to go down. That's all I care about. What is this magic meter? Not for me. Thank you very much. What's this? A technical play style? Not for me. Thank you very much. Ranged combat? Not for me. Thank you very much. Like I'm bad. I just want a straightforward, like no nonsense, make it easy for me thing. And I've played games where I've seen, like, I, I played one recently called um, Salt and Sanctuary, which is really good. It was very Dark Souls-like, where it's that hard difficulty. You have to get good at the combat. If you don't, you're just going to get just rolled over constantly, and you have to respawn and respawn and respawn. And I played through it all as a pretty simple, like, paladin style, where I had one big long sword. It was really damn strong, and all of my armor and stuff was built to sustain a lot of physical damage and let me survive a lot of combats. Like, I can just basically keep whapping the enemy with my sword, and I'll survive if I get it fast enough. Yeah, I get them. But the whole thing is that you have, like, that game allowed you to play in very different styles where they had... Um, like mag- a whole magic system that had like a balance. Like if you go the magic route, you have to actually balance your alignments with what kind of magic you're using. Because mm-hmm. if you're out of balance, it actually harms you. And all of these are the mechanics that I never once, I didn't even put a toe in that water because I didn't have to, because I didn't use it at all. So I never had to understand. So I had half of my equipment was all like, this is important if you're a magic user. If you're not, please disregard entirely. It almost mm-hmm. felt like, you know, this this letter is for, you know, John Smith or the resident of the house. Like, um, OK, I'm not okay. the current resident, so I'm that recycling. But yeah, yeah, nice yeah, Breath, yeah. Breath of the Wild is a um, it's an open it's open world. So it took the open world idea 
So it's definitely very Skyrim. It's very um, Ubisoft style, so like Assassin's Creed-ish. Uh-huh. It, it's got a little bit of survival-ish, uh, a little bit of Minecrafty with resources, but not too much. It, it, it's definitely got like the hunting vibe to it that a lot of games threw in, like Lara Crofts and or, sorry, now I sound like uh, selling old person. The Tomb Raider franchise, um, <laughs> or um, what else what threw about, in? Uh, Eloy, uh, and Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption. Um, I mean, even yeah, every for everyone kind of noticed for a while that every single game had hunting in it, and that was like right. a big important. Of it. Like God of War, hunting was the central key theme to start with. Tomb Raider, hunting was central. Breath of the Wild, hunting was central. Um, Last of Us, hunting was central. I was like, wow, everyone's really into hunting lately, and no one wants to talk about it. Okay. Does Kyle yeah. know that my character in Red Dead Redemption 2 is named Ash, and he looks exactly like Briscoe County Jr., Bruce Campbell? I did not know that, but that's awesome. And his name is horse is named Groovy, and he is the stupidest horse. Like constantly being hit by trains and falling out of the sky, just so stupid. Yeah, that sounds like Red Dead Redemption, all right. Uh, <laughs> I don't have the patience to play Red Dead Redemption online because other people on it are terrible. Oh, I only want to mention a couple more things. There's not too much more I want to talk about. There's only a few more. One, of course, is the Smash reveal. Which uh, was hype because they're like, yeah, we're gonna have a new. There's gonna be details about Smash Brothers. Everyone's like, oh, you got. They're gonna show a new Smash character. Who's who's the next new Smash character? And it was like Walter White. It was it it was really disappointing because <laughs> they're like, you know, and it's the, the whole direct starts off with it. It starts showing footage from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which has been a game on the Switch that they have been pushing as hard as I've ever seen them push a game that's not selling well. And it's amazing. It's like, where was this zeal with any of your other poor selling titles in the past? What the hell are you doing? And they're pushing this game. And I'm not saying that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is bad. That's not what I'm saying. It looks perfectly fine. It's just so JRPG that I can't deal with it. And they're like, all right, so the the, the cute booby anime girls, um, the cute anim, booby anime girl is missing. She's, you know, she's like, they can't, the, the kid can't find her. Main character of the game can't find her. Where is she? And then like, oh, she's in Smash, isn't she? And sure enough, she's like, he finds her, where have you been, Pyra? He's like, I got an invitation to Smash Brothers. And I'm like, yay. And it's like, okay, and, you know, they show off how she plays, and she plays it. She's a unique character in that she can swap between. There's Pyra, who's like this attack-based sword booby anime girl, and then she switches to Mithra, who is another sword-based booby anime girl. But they're the same person. They're actually a weapon. Like, they're literally a sword, but they're made into a booby anime girl. And it sounds like I'm being totally disrespectful because I am, because I can't, I can't play the game without feeling really, really gross. So I won't play it because it's like clearly like, I don't know. It just feels like I, I'm not, I'm not 16 anymore. I can't do this for the rest of my life. I can't get into this sort of just obvious fan baiting, but the character at least looks fun. I'm just disappointed. It's like, Oh, it's for another game that like, this was less a people have really been hoping for this unique inclusion to smash brothers and more. We really want you to buy this game. 
maybe if she's in Smash Brothers, you'll buy this game. Ugh, dang. It's not going to work this time. Not for this, Chris. Huh? Not for this, Chris. They they didn't trick you. They've got me with other ones. When they included um, Byleth in Smash Brothers Brothers, when she was from Fire Emblem Three Houses, it did get me to play Three Houses. I'll give them that. Uh, Granted, I didn't buy it. I borrowed it from a friend. But I did at least get intrigued enough that, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll see what this person's really from, even though I was really uninterested in the character's inclusion. And now, like, it's happened again. Where it's like, ah, all right, this looks like a fun character. Not interested, but not all for me. The, the big thing in, in the direct, the, the final, final, final detail was um, they announced Splatoon 3. And I'm really unsure what to feel about it because the trailer was really cool for the first half because it's you know we got one more thing to show here's a trailer and it's like huge wasteland and it shows up and then suddenly an inkling is in the wasteland like you know under a hood and it's like what's going on and it's like you know looks like select your select your character select your eyes select your hairstyle select whatever you got a little little mascot buddy with you and it's like okay and then they grab this like crossbow not a crossbow like a like a like a big hunting bow like splatoon style hunting bow I'm like oh and they see him run into the wasteland and then they run past clearly the eiffel tower upside down in a dune I'm like ooh, are we finally doing this like we're gonna make a giant like splatoon open world maybe breath of the wild style thing for splatoon which i want because splatoon has really great lore and world building that they've not really done anything with. But I'm like, I want to know more about this whole world because I like Splatoon. And then the person hops on a train, goes to the normal city from Splatoon. And then it shows them in another like four on four splat match. I'm like, all right. So now it just looks like it's going to be just more of normal Splatoon with new weapons and maybe some features. But, 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 this means they're splitting the player base and that's what ticks me off is that when you have an online game and i don't know why why nintendo is doing this because they have not yet done this with their with their franchises yet where companies learn very quickly if you spend so much time building an online player base for an online specific game you can't release the next installment to that game on the same system or people kind of hate that or you have split it long enough. I mean, you're even seeing that with overwatch one and two, where a lot of people who spent a lot of time on overwatch one are pretty pissed that overwatch two is actually coming and not just like continuing on to build, which is what it kind of should be. But I get that they want to try to make a clean break and really try something a little new or whatever that means. Um, Because of course there is always a point where you can't keep just up, dating what you've got but with splatoon i don't really know why they couldn't have updated like splatoon 2 has so much room for improvement because it's a good game that's still so bogged down by stupid nintendo decisions such as the there's only ever two uh two levels that can be selected at any given time for turf war or for the online matches so every hour it's just these two stages so get used to these two buddy you don't get to select which one either. You just get randomized into the two. So you might spend a whole hour playing on one single stage over and over and over again. 
And it doesn't make any sense because they have a ton of stages in the game. They have at least a dozen or more. I don't know how many, but they've got a lot and they are varied and very different. And I'm like, why aren't you following like any other online game where they give you a selection of like randomized three vote for which one you want. And then the votes from the players decide which one you go into. And that would have been much better. And then like, okay, so you're going to be in this stage. You want to change your, you know, your custom layout? Like, yes, I do, because that's every stage requires a different layout. Like, well, too bad. Because you have two stages and you don't know which one, and one is best with this layout, the other is best with that layout, but you're never going to know which one you're going to get. So, good luck. So, the fact that they're splitting the player base into three now, presumably, it just makes me question, like, they still don't know what they're doing, do they? Like, in, in a good franchise, like, clearly Splatoon, they're seeing this Splatoon is going to be one of their heavy hitters going forward. So, like, that's good that they're recognizing that they made a good game. And people cannot deny that that was on the Wii U, and it was a good game on the Wii U. And it was a good game on the Switch because Splatoon 2 was basically just a port of Wii U's Splatoon 1. So with 3, I don't know. It was, it was like, really cool, but also really, like, uh, everything with the Direct made me kind of do that. That was my reaction. Everything was cool, but uh, I guess oh. that's a lot of, like, a lot of news was just, all right. You know, it was one of those, like, the knock-on effect of, like, what does this announcement mean? So, like, okay, Pyra is added to Smash Brothers. Okay, that's cool. That means one less slot that I was excited for. And that they're still going to, like, for the next DLC character and all the DLC additions for that round, it's going to be all around Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which is a game that I didn't care about. So it's like, all right, well, not for me, but move on. Okay, we got a bunch of ports, 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 ports. Fall Guys coming to Switch. Apex Legends coming to Switch. Just so many games coming to Switch. Do you care about any of them? No. Moving on. All right, what else we got? Like, here's a new game called Dodge City, which was one of the worst trailers I've ever seen to a game ever because it didn't really do uh, – it was just bad. Look it up sometimes and just go, wow, that's bad. Then they move on. Like, all right, Zelda news. Like, okay, what Zelda news we got? Skyward Sword. Uh, Right, that means the games I want aren't coming out, and the game I hate is. Okay. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. Don't have any news about just give me the old games I want, because I don't obviously I've proven that I'll buy my old games again. Whatever. Moving on, what else you got? Yeah, Splatoon 3. Uh, it's not doesn't look like the type of game I want either from the franchise, but alright. Mostly it's just that like cool. It looks like you're gonna make a shit ton of money. And I'm probably going to buy it anyway, but I'm also going to be really disappointed because I would love to see them do something that excites me again. And I, I you know, I, I try to temper the fact that, like, you can't just make games for me. That's not fair. I don't expect them to be made just for me and only me. But at a certain point, I start to go, wait a minute, when was the last time I actually got a game that I was really happy and excited to play? <laughs> when are they going to make a game that I actually really want to play and not just when I'm playing because I am desperate to try to play the game that I want to play? That makes sense. It does. Can I, I, can, I pitch, can I pitch a slam dunk uh, Nintendo selling you the same game you've purchased twice already situation that everyone would be happy with? You're going to say Ocarina of Time, aren't you? No, I'm not. No, I'm oh. not. You could give me Star Fox 64 remastered with all you need is cooperative multiplayer. 
Yeah. Pretty cool. All you do is just the same exact missions, only your friends get to be your wingmen, and that's it. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's, I'd play that. I mean, everyone's expecting them to eventually port Star Fox Zero over, which is another one of those. Well, I hope they don't. I hope they let that game just die a miserable death. Just let them kill the Star Fox franchise. They haven't known what to do with it forever. Even when people are in the company desperately trying to tell them what to do, the people in charge won't listen, and it's really frustrating. It's like, yeah. this is a franchise that I love. Obviously a franchise I worked on, and the whole time I'm like, dang it. This is like, I have no power here, and it sucks. And anytime I tried to use the little influence I had to, like, make a game that the fans would enjoy, it's like, well, I'm going to piss off some people to make other people happy, and no one is going to be truly happy. Like, not everyone. So frustrating. And I didn't even play through the whole game. I, I bought it eventually, and I still never played through it, because it was not a... <laughs> it just wasn't the game that people wanted from Star it was another one of those, like, well, this isn't a Star Fox game. Enjoy. Bye. Ugh. What do the fans want? Who cares about them? Here's what Miyamoto wanted. Like, okay. How's that working out? Like, well, for this franchise, not so well. For other franchises, who cares? Nintendo can be a shame sometimes, but eh, they're making more money than God. So what What does it matter <laughs> if I want to complain? I think that's where a lot of Nintendo fans are at and why it's so frustrating to be a Nintendo fan is that they'll make decisions and there's so many people so ready to just throw money at them. And like every single game that's coming out for the Switch is basically the new top seller for that franchise. And it, I don't know, it just sends a weird message to Nintendo where it's like, all right, Pokemon Sword and Shield was very clearly a rushed game with a lot of cut corners and it's not the best game it could have been this is not the quality we should have expected and it wasn't a good game in the end yeah all right it's okay it's not the best pokemon game it's not the worst one maybe but it's not it's not the best one that's definitive and it made um a lot of money so they're just going to keep doing that again it's like, oh yeah. that's disappointing okay yeah, it's like, hey, what do we do with Mario? Like, well, let's see. We gave him Mario 3D All-Stars, which was a terrible port job of three beloved games. And they bought that, so we know we can do that with anything we want. Like, cool, cool. I helped with that. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, here's three. Here's 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. So that's kind of cool, right? Yeah, yeah. You guys want to just buy the old thing again? Uh, yeah, I do. I guess I do. Here's... Here's New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. Did you buy it, Chris? No, actually, I didn't. Oh, why? Well, because I didn't have the money at the time, but maybe I will someday. Oh, so you're still going to be part of the problem eventually. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same uh, It's the same format as what Disney is doing with Disney+, Plus, where it's just... Like, they made a big deal this last week out of, hey, The Muppet Show is finally on Disney+. Plus. And it's like, that's great. You're getting everybody excited for paying you a monthly fee to watch a show that should have been available for streaming for years now, but hasn't been because you, Jagoffs, bought the rights to those characters and kept that sealed in a vault for years. The same way the majority of their content when they launched Disney+, Plus was, hey, these are all of our old movies that are finally out of the, quote-unquote, the vault. Their beloved vault that they lock things in 
when it suits them. But then when a new media format comes out, it's out of the vault. There's no vault. We know there's no vault. It's just you, you jagoffs figure out a way to get people excited to pay money for something that we've already bought several times over. Nintendo does the same thing. Yeah, Nintendo does the same thing. They're just a little bit more, uh, well, they, they don't wait the appropriate amount of time before asking you to pay for the same thing again. So it's a little more insulting. I think the thing the thing that insults me about all the ports that they've had and that a lot of people don't understand, like, why do you care about all the ports? Like, isn't it good that they're giving more people a chance? Because not a lot of people got the Wii U. And I'm like, you know, there are a lot of people that did get the Wii U, though. And a lot of people that got every big game on the Wii U and supported the Wii U pretty hard. And just to see them resell the exact same game, but maybe with some extras or sometimes not even a single extra is really frustrating because it just says, hey, thanks for supporting us through the worst years our company's ever had. Um, Give us more. It's like, but it's like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Like, hey, thanks for buying Mario Kart Deluxe and the DLC, both packs when that came out on the Wii U. Really appreciate that. That's really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, here it is again. We added a few more things that should have been in the first release. Um, we want you to buy it again at full price if you could. And oh, it's the greatest selling game on our new console. That's great. And also, and it's also a jam of the month club. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> and it's a great. And what does that mean? It's like, oh, it definitely means we're not going to do Mario Kart 9 for quite a while. Thank you. Oh, okay. So you might skip the Switch for a, for a next gen Mario Kart? Yeah, we might skip it entirely. Awesome. What's what Mario Kart can you get? Well, you can do the mobile Mario Kart. Dang it! What else can I do for Mario Kart? Well, you can also do the the uh, the, the the remote controls CG AR whatever crazy thing that we made. That's ninety dollars uh, for a single cart. You want that? No, because I don't have a house that's built for that. Well, then you're you can play Mario Kart Deluxe again, I guess. Like, thanks. I don't know. It's 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 a shame that I see. So many people just celebrating the idea of like, whoa, what's so what, what's so wrong with ports? I'm like, nothing's wrong with ports. Ports can be a good thing. It's frustrating when the ports come so soon after the previous installment. It's why like I was excited for Link's Awakening as a remake because it had been a sizable amount of time between that. I'm not excited about Skyward Sword HD because I played that ten years ago. Which yeah, I mean sure, that's actually a time has passed, but I hated that one. It's only like one <laughs> generation passed. Like, well, yeah, it's, it's like, uh, the reason why everybody jokes about how they've purchased Skyrim like five times over because that game's not that old. When did Skyrim originally come out? Like 20, 2011, 2012. Something so it's like been, that. So it's it been about up. 10 years and they've really, they've re-released that game like four or five times. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Mass Effect uh, trilogy that's coming up, the the HD remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy, people are in love with the very concept of playing those games again. Those games never went away. I mean, you can you can buy them for a quarter right now and play them on backwards compatibility mode, and they still look fine. Or you can buy them on uh, on PC. And they run a hell of a lot better than they ever did on my Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. But people love the idea of that because when when did that trilogy end? 
Like um, that would have been like that would have been around 2012 ish, I think. Yeah, and time. and we haven't had a proper Mass Effect game since. Nor that has, doesn't count. <laughs> no, yeah, we, <laughs> no, it yeah. does not. Yeah, that doesn't count. Um, I gotta yeah, go it, feed the ghosts that live in my walls. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I gotta go back into the Disney vault. <laughs> I I I gotta I I I I I gotta go back to figuring out how to remove Gina Carano from Star Wars. There you go. Lots of walkie talkies. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, where can people find us? Uh, at Club dot org. No wait. <laughs> the list. At, uh, <laughs> at uh, media-sandwich.com or you can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Martinak. I'm and at Deep Springer. I'm at No Right Tweet. And everything that comes out through Media Sandwich, you can find at media underscore sandwich on there. And you can always email the show at mediasandwichshow at gmail.com and we'd be happy to take any of your questions or topics that you'd like us to discuss or schematics on what i'm doing wrong wiring my house <laughs> or or a jelly of the month club subscription if you want to be generous I well that. i think i think i need to go have a jelly sandwich then that sounds perfect And uh, I am serious. If you guys want me to stop texting you about the RPG, let me know. No, I'm I'm super jazzed. Text me Star Wars, Daddy. (laughs) Okay, John Oliver. Well, (laughs) have a good night.